0: Good evening, everybody here at L.C. Are you alive? Good gosh. The youth give us more than that, man. Come on. You know, J.L. brought a word forth on Sunday talking about preparing that soil because the seed is perfect, man. We got to come with expectation to this house. Amen. Are you alive? Okay. I'm just checking. I got a couple announcements for you guys before we get started. Uh, First things first, if you didn't see it, there's a big cozy basket raffle going on for the Christian Academy. Um, There's a whole list of stuff on it. I kind of peeked in there. There's some gift cards and some blankets and stuff. But if you don't want it, it'd make a great gift or gifts. And if you do, you could just indulge in it yourself. But tickets are five bucks a pop. Um, they're selling them all the way through this Sunday morning pre-service. Drawing is right after service this coming Sunday, so it's crunch time on that one. Uh, so get your tickets for that. All those proceeds go to the Christian Academy. Uh, second is tamales from the Anaya family. They're so good, guys. When I say they're so good, I am not. Oh, I'm, I'm, that's not an exaggeration. It's authentic. Uh, those are 25 a dozen. Fifteen and a half dozen and three bucks if you want some homemade salsa. Don't skip out and and just skimp on the salsa. Get the salsa. <laughs> it makes it okay. It's this avocado stuff. It's good. It's got the right heat. It's good. And then the last but not least is um, we want to we want to bless the overseas ministries that are linked to this house. And so there's a lit tree. I can see it from right here. There's a lit tree in the foyer. It's got different dollar amounts and donations. That is also. Um, up for grabs. You guys can grab one, donate the amount on it, and that's due on the 17th. So uh, make yourself available. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to sow, to give to the kingdom of God. And man, that's perfect soil to sow into. So um, it's time to give. Yes, it's better to give than to receive. That's right. I just want to remind you guys about Vision 2025. Everybody's excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is just, man, it's it's us coming together for the vision for this house, which is just paying off the debt of the buildings and being debt free. That's a weight lifted, amen? And so uh, it's another opportunity. It's just an opportunity to give, guys. So uh, with that, man, the ushers are going to stand. There's, there's envelopes. There's my favorite is church center, honestly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, embers in the back. You guys can slip it in there on the way out. But man, my favorite is church center is so easy. I got my account linked up to it, and I literally just plug it in, and it's nice. But if you want to give cash check, we'll take it. So uh, I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, it's of your goodness that we have all received. Father, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We come with expectation to receive of your goodness, Lord. Father, that you would open our eyes. To the Word of God, that it would be uh, uh, that the eyes of our heart would just be enlightened to it, that we would walk out a brand new, and uh, different person than when we came. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Pastor Kev.
1: All right. Well, good evening, Lake Church. Good to see everybody out this evening. Um, yeah, we're in the book of Galatians. Going to continue on where we left off last week. Um, I do want to read. One verse, and then I have something that we want to share with you guys so we can do a little bit of celebration of the Lord and Him manifesting Himself among His people. But Let me read this verse in chapter 3, verse 5, Galatians 3 and 5. You know, He's asking them a couple of rhetorical questions in the beginning of this to, to get them thinking about how God moves in our lives. And uh, he says, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Basically, does God do miracles among our, in our midst and in our lives because we've done something or because we've heard something? Oh, man. You remember we did a series a while back called Hear and Be Healed. It's when we hear, not a, it's not when we do, it's when we hear what Jesus has done that the atmosphere is rich for miracles to take place. And so we want to share there's been a miracle among, uh, you know, someone that one of our ministers, they've gone out to assist another church now, uh, but Zelma Gibson, you all know Zelma. She had a bad report that she received quite a while back. Anyway, she was going to the doctor for that and stuff. Well, she contacted me a few days ago. She actually sent me an audio message. And it's actually her doctor calling her and giving her a report on some tests and things that she had. So she said we could play this. We just wanted to share it with you. Pray that it encourage somebody or bring hope to somebody so you can move toward receiving uh, from the Lord. So Mark, if you've got that, go ahead and play that.
0: Hi, this is Karen. I've got your uh, biopsy back, and your HIPAA form says I may leave a message on your voicemail. So I'm going to leave a message. Um, anyway, your biopsy was completely normal and negative for any findings. And so I think it's a literal miracle. Everything looks great. I do want to do another scope here in a few years uh, to make, well, probably, I think I told your hubby that we would do it again in six months or a year or something like that. But anyway, we'll give you a call when you're due. I hope that you enjoy that wonderful news. It's a miracle. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: She was so excited that they acknowledged that it was a miracle twice, <laughs> not just once, but twice. And so, after she shared that with me, then she wrote this, which I just wanted to share this with you as well. Uh, she said, "God is so good; everyone should know. This is all due to what uh, this is all due to what's been put in my heart from my pastors." God is real and I have been taught that I am a little Jesus walking the earth and nothing, no disease or anything that comes against me can harm me. We have to be the one that pulls it down. It takes knowing who you are in Christ. Mm. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I noticed that in that message when she was talking about that, she didn't say anything about what she did except that we have to be the ones who, by faith, take our authority. You know, is what she was saying. But the power is all of God, and the availability of that power is all of Jesus. It's all because of what He did that we have access to The divine life of God. And where there is life, there is no death. (laughs) We just have to begin to allow the life of God that's been deposited in our spirit uh, begin to affect our outer man and cause us to be made whole. You know, the word salvation, I was talking about this the other night in Bible school. The word salvation doesn't mean a ticket to heaven. In fact, that word means to be saved, to be healed, to be delivered, to be made whole. Jesus died, was buried and raised again, ascended and seated at the right hand of God so that you could be made whole in every aspect of your life. When, it, when, it, when we say made whole, it means made Put back in the right condition that God intended for you to be in. In fact, that's what the word righteousness means. Man as he ought to be. Amen. (laughs) Man as he ought to be. Hallelujah. And through the finished work of Jesus and the new birth and the new creation, we are as we ought to be. We may not be perfect in the outward man, But in the inward man, we are perfect, we are complete in him. And the only reason that it's not manifesting more in the outward man is just because we haven't caught up in our mind to what has actually happened in our spirit. But listen, to the degree that we renew our mind to spiritual realities. See, we're not believing on things that are just pie in the sky. These are actually literal spiritual realities in the life of a believer. We've been united to Christ. What's true of Him is true of us. (laughs) You know, John said that in 1 John. He said, as He is, so are we. In heaven? No, in this world. (laughs) See, a lot of people are waiting to get to heaven for that to be true. When the Bible says it's true right now. And if we would actually believe and embrace that, We would see the manifestation of that in our lives. You know, last week, Pastor got up and was sharing at the end a little bit. And he said something that was so profound. He said, you know, we've been preaching. And and I remember when we were just talking about this about a year ago. That we wanted to preach the pristine gospel. The true gospel. We wanted to make sure we were presenting that. The way that it was supposed to be presented you know, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seeding of Christ at the right hand of God. And our identification in that. Because the book of Ephesians says that He raised us up together with Him and made us to sit together with Him in heavenly places. But what Pastor said was so powerful. He said, many believers have not internalized these truths. We know them Intellectually. But we haven't taken the time to internalize them to where we have really, truly embraced them. And we believe that about ourselves in our heart. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not as a man thinks in his head. You can know all the scriptures. You can know all the principles. But until you sit with the Holy Ghost and He unveils that as your reality, it's not going to make a difference in your life. But when you sit with the truths of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to those truths. So here's, here's the thing. When I look at the Bible, the Bible reveals what's true. When I read this, it reveals what's true. And the Holy Spirit in me confirms that it's true. He bears witness to the truth. So, it's more than just an intellectual idea. It becomes an experiential reality in my life. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. Jesus called him the Spirit of truth. He said that he would come and lead and guide us into all truth. That word is reality. Lead and guide us into the reality that we are one with Christ. That what is true of him is true of us. Let me ask you something is Jesus sick? (laughs) <laughs> is Jesus bound by sin? Is Jesus dead? Is Jesus worried? Is Jesus addicted? Is he fretful, anxious? Any of those things that we're struggling with? Jesus is none of those things. Why? we got to change our perspective. If we would set our mind on the realities of where Christ is seated in heavenly places, far above every principality and power and might and dominion, allow that truth to begin to be internalized to where we believe that in our heart. And this has nothing to do with my message tonight. But I just feel like God is wanting to say this to you. You've got to get it deeper than your, your um, conscious thought. It has to get down in the subconscious thought. This isn't something that you just get. This is something you contend for. And let me tell you, the enemy wants to try and get you in a performance-based system of religion, which is all focused on the outward man. So that you'll be blinded to the realities of the inward man. So that your eyes will get off of what Jesus has done in you. And get your eyes on everything that you're trying to do for Him. I'm telling you, you have to have that ascended life perspective if you want to be victorious. And the enemy, he wants to try and get us in this law-based performance-type system to where we're trying to prove ourselves uh, to be holy based on the system of law which God gave to prove that we're sinners. I think you just missed that. (laughs) Think about that. I'm going to say this real slow so you can get it. Satan wants to get you using the law that God gave to prove you're a sinner to try and prove that you're a saint. We're trying to prove that we're saints using the law that God gave to prove that we're sinners. And then we wonder why we're not seeing the results that God intended for us to see. Well, he asked the question... Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by hearing of faith? It's not what we do, it's what we've heard that makes the difference. But when you truly hear, it'll change what you do. But you're getting the cart before the horse. You're getting the cart before the horse. Right believing leads to right living. But right living doesn't necessarily lead to right believing. There are people following religious, the religious systems of this world who, as I read last week, are deeply devoted to God. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They are unenlightened regarding truth. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to move on. I just want to read these following scriptures and get back to to where we left off. Verse 6 says, Just as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. See, the Jews, they thought because they were born into a natural lineage, they were automatically a part of the kingdom of God. And he says here that it's only those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham? Heirs according to the promises that God made to Abraham. You know, not even all of Abraham's sons were heirs of the, thing, of the promise that God gave to Abraham. Did you know Abraham didn't just have Isaac? He didn't just have Isaac and Ishmael. He had six other sons. None of them were apart. Only in Isaac, he said, shall your seed be. Okay, so only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying in you all the nations all the nations shall be blessed so see it wasn't all it wasn't about natural israel there was a seed coming through isaac and his descendants that would reconcile the whole world by faith. And you know, I've already talked about this, but Peter said in the chapter 15 of the book of Acts, he said he realized that the Jewish believers had to be saved the same way as the Gentiles. That was the revelation. See, the Jews thought that the Gentiles had to be saved the same way they thought they were being saved. Being circumcised and keeping the law. And Peter, he got the revelation. He's like, oh man, they're not going to be saved like we thought we were being saved. We have to be saved like they are. Yes. By grace through faith. No one is going to be justified in the sight of God by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why it's imperative that we get the gospel correct. Because you can lead people into a system of religion that actually doesn't make them free. It makes them, puts them in bondage. And I've been there and done that. Verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Abraham is the faith father. He's our example. Abraham. Um, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I can tell. But Abraham never had the law. The law wasn't given until hundreds of years later. Okay, so let's look at this uh, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Man, I tell you what, that's a powerful sentence. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. That means, here's here's a translation of that. Everyone who's of the works of the law is under the curse. Wow, And I think it's the ESV says, everyone who relies on, that's what it means to be of the works of the law. If you're relying on your performance to justify you and save you or make you spiritual, you're under the curse. Man, that's a sobering thought. <laughs> That's a sobering thought. Because the law doesn't release the blessing, the law brings the curse. Oh my goodness. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. You need to underline that which are written in the book of the law to do them. Here's the, here's the thing. People have not understood what the law says. The reason people get mixed up in legalism isn't because they don't understand the gospel. It's because they don't know what the law says. Oh, man. It's not because they haven't heard and understood the gospel. It's because they don't understand what the law says. The law doesn't say, Do your best... And God will accept it. The law doesn't say, well, God just really wants you to just do your best and that'll be okay. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. The law, the law says that if you don't continue in all things, then you're under the curse. The law is a system which uh, requires perfection. Mm. The law requires perfection. Why? Because God's standard of righteousness is absolute perfection. So if you're going to relate to God based on your performance, here's all you got to do. Here's it. If you want to relate to God based on your performance, all you have to do is be perfect and never sin one time. From the day you're born till the day you die. And if you can do that... Well, you can earn right standing with God. Any takers? <laughs> but here's the way the law's been presented. Just do your best. Jesus will make up the difference. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely wrong. Because if you're, if you're trying to perform, your faith is not in Jesus' performance, it's in yours. Man, this is such a subtle deception. That the enemy tries to get us into. But it says right here. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 27. Cursed is everyone. Who does not continue in all things. Which are written in the book of the law. To do them. But that no one is justified by the law. There's not going to be one person. Who is going to be justified in the sight of God. By their performance. Because even the most holy saint falls short of the glory of God. Mm. (laughs) For the just shall live by faith. This is a quotation from Habakkuk. This was said in the Old Testament. You think God was surprised? You know, like, oh man, they ain't going to be able to do it. (laughs) Think about it. It's like, you think God gave the law and then He went, man, it's been 2,000 years and nobody's made it yet. We better change things up. (laughs) No. God, This is all part of an unfolding, progressively revealed plan. The law was part of it. But it was never a means of salvation. God knew nobody would ever be justified by keeping the law. That wasn't the reason that he gave it. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Why then? If the law doesn't, is, doesn't help us or assist us in any way in being right with God, why would God give the law to begin with? In fact, the point is, he never gave it to Abraham, and Abraham was justified in the sight of God. Look at this. Look at Romans. I know I've got this here. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. It says so in Romans chapter four. He uses a um, oh he uses a technique that lawyers use to prove a case in court, which is historical precedent. When they want to set a precedent in a court, they go back to prior uh, rulings and they point at those and say, "See here, here's a precedent for you to rule in this way." So he's going back to Abraham and showing. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? According to the flesh means uh, Abraham was their father naturally. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Here is the reason why people love performance-based systems of religion. Boasting. Boasting. I've thought about that before because in Romans chapter 10, it says that uh, uh, they would rather, the Jews would rather go about trying to establish their own righteousness than to receive God's righteousness as a gift, basically, is what it's saying. And I've thought about before, why in the world would anybody, God says, I'm just going to, as a free gift, I'm just going to give you my righteousness. No, that's okay. I'll pass. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and I believe I can establish my own righteousness. Man, you got to be under demonic deception to come up with something like that. It's based on the pride of man. That's why people love religion. Because that's where they get their attaboys and their pats on the back, spiritually. And when you take away their um, spiritual pride, it's hard for people to humble themselves and just receive from God. You know, and so Abraham would have had something to boast about if he was justified by works. But what does the Scripture say? Boy, that's a good question to ask. <laughs> that, should always be our, that should always be our MO. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Well, the, first, the example is that Abraham, God made a promise to him. And Abraham took God at his word. And you know what God said? I like that. Just because of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit you with my righteousness. Oh my goodness. Or it doesn't say his righteousness. We have his righteousness. He credited him with righteousness. Right standing with God. This word um, accounted, it just means to... Put to the credit of somebody's account. It's like if somebody just deposited money in your account. That's what God did for Abraham. He just deposited righteousness to his account. Abraham didn't do anything to get it. He just gave it to him. Because he believed God. So what's the big deal about believing God? If if God can get a man who will take him at his word, he can do anything through that man. That's the... It's, see, Abraham, you know what Abraham did? He judged God faithful. If God can find a man who will just take him at his word, well, anything he tells him, he can do through his life because he, he judges God faithful to it. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you're getting this or not. He believed God. It doesn't say he believed in God, there's a difference. He believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. And this is the historical precedent for everyone to be made right with God. Look at this. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Well, I'm going to get you now. (laughs) You know what you're doing when you're trying to work? For something from God, you're trying to put God in debt to you. When we try to do stuff expecting God to respond to us, what are we doing? We're trying to put God in debt to us to where He has to respond and do something for us. When I'm trying to perform and do things to present to God so that He can move in my life, I am trying to put God in debt to me and God is not in debt to any man. It just shows I don't understand how spiritual things work. God doesn't respond to us. We respond to God. When you say that it's by grace through faith, grace is God moving Independent of us earning or deserving it. And our faith is our response to believe it. But it's more than just believe. It's to trust in it. You see what I'm saying? He's saying here, if anybody works, the wages aren't counted as grace or a gift. The word grace is gift in the the Greek. God... No one receives anything from God except as a gift. And you need to get that. No one ever earns or deserves anything from God. It all is received by grace through faith. Grace is when we hear, as I said earlier, it's hearing what God has done for us by grace through the finished work of Jesus Faith is my supernatural ability to believe it's true without any evidence of it in the natural. Verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Get that. He justifies the ungodly, not the godly. His faith is counted for righteousness. And in the New Testament, we are made the righteousness of God. Abraham was made righteous based on believing, but in the New Testament, we are made the righteousness. See, he was counted righteous, but we are made righteous. Hallelujah. Come on. Big difference. We are made the righteousness of God through faith. In Jesus. That means it's more than just accounted to us. See, accounted would be like God say, okay, I'm just going to count you righteous. But to be made righteous, that's what the new creation is. Oh, see, we have something Abraham never had. Abraham was justified. He was counted righteous, but he wasn't born again. He wasn't made righteous. He wasn't a new creation man. He was still an old man oh he was still one of the old Adamic race who were dead spiritually, but he was counted righteous because of his faith. Man, but now we are counted, we are justified, and we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because we have in substance what Abraham only had by a shadow. He only had a shadow that pointed to a greater reality, but we are living in the reality, in the substance of what he had in shadow. What he had is a symbol we have in substance. Why Jesus has come and he has fulfilled all of the shadows of the good things to come. And we have it in reality. But most people don't, haven't, like Pastor said last week, haven't internalized these truths. To where that's your reality. Man, can you, when you have, listen, when you have sinned and you have blown it, the worst in your life, can you stand there and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have to have internalized that to be able to do that. Because all outward circumstances are saying you are not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You have to be able to believe in things that you can't discern with your senses. And the work of Christ was done in the unseen, in the inner man, which is unseen and cannot be discerned by your senses. It can only be known by what the Word of God declares. That's why we should never say about ourselves anything that God has not declared. Well, we're in opposition to God. Who's right? (laughs) Who's right? Man, we should always say what God says. You say, well, it doesn't look... Well, you're living by your senses. If you would actually live by the reality of what the Word of God declares by faith, you will begin to see that change your outward experience. That's the only way. It's by faith. See, God told Abraham, you're righteous. Did you know Abraham just had to take that and believe it? It's the same with us. When we get born again, I mean, sometimes it takes people years and years to actually finally come to the place where they say, I'm righteous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've been trained religiously so much that we almost feel like we're saying something wrong when we say that. But you know the Bible says? The righteous are bold as a lion. You know what that really means? Those who know they're righteous are bold as a lion. Those who don't, they're not going to be that bold. But those who know they are righteous are bold as a lion. And you can't know you're righteous if you're basing it on your performance. You have to base it purely on faith. In what Jesus Christ has done. That's why Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. If you're trying to be justified by your works, you won't ever have peace with God. (laughs) Man, I know. I lived that way a long time. I lived that way a long time for a lot of years of my life. I never had peace with God. And I sure didn't think God was at peace with me. I thought I was taught that God was mad at me all the time because I didn't measure up. Because I was falling short. Because I wasn't holy. I wasn't righteous. I was doing things wrong. And then I found out that I could never be righteous by those by those requirements. And I finally got the revelation. That God made the provision for me to be righteous apart from my works. But purely by faith in the finished work of Jesus. His work is perfect. And now, man, I can stand up here and I can say that I'm as righteous as Jesus is. And I I have no problem saying that. I know it's the truth. I am as righteous as Jesus is. You better be righteous as Jesus is because there's only two kinds of righteousness. There's God's righteousness and there's yours. So there's really God's righteousness and unrighteousness. You are either unrighteous or you are perfectly righteous. And I can say I am as righteous as Jesus is because Jesus is my righteousness. He has been made unto me righteousness. And you have, this is the big revelation. This is the big revelation of the New Testament. And most believers, sad to say, haven't even grasped this and internalized it as a reality in their life. And the devil is just running roughshod over them with condemnation and guilt and shame to where they can't even press in and interact and access God and the things that, that belong to them. As sons and daughters of God. Because they're condemned. Hmm. I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> it's the truth. You know. I'm trying to move on. In this chapter. But I got to share this. You know in Mark 11. 23 and 24. Where Jesus says, you know, talks about that um, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And it talks about that if you believe in your believe and doubt not in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say. Did you know that the word doubt there is condemned? The word doubt. See, we think of that word doubt, we, we, we take the definition of it in the English and we think that when he says, and doubt not, we think it's like, you know, because you kind of waver in, you know, trying to believe something that's unseen. But the source of, unbelie- of, of not believing or doubting is condemnation. It's the word "diocrino" that means through judgment. It means through condemnation. What he's saying, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not have condemnation in his heart. Well, I'm telling you what, that's the source of not being able to receive from God. And doesn't have condemnation in his heart, then whatsoever he says, he shall have whatsoever he saith. See, it's, it's condemnation. It causes us not to be able to receive from God because we have already we already have the right standing to receive everything from God. He's already laid it to your account. It already belongs to you. In fact, it's already in you. The very life that causes death to be driven out of our body is already inside you. But if your heart's condemned, it's plugged up. It's like a pipe that's got stuff in it and won't let stuff flow through. That's what condemnation does. That's why the devil wants to get you working the law so you'll be condemned and then nothing that God has put on the inside of you can manifest on the outside.
0: It's
1: condemnation. Look at verse 10. Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. What was the curse? Well, the curses of the law are in Deuteronomy chapter 27. And 28 talks about all of the... Okay, so it's spiritual death. It is sickness and disease. And it's poverty. Those are the three areas of the curse. And this says, as many as who are relying upon works of the law, in other words, their own righteousness are under the curse. You know, in Proverbs, it says that a curse cannot come without a cause. And under the Old Testament, you know what the cause was? Breaking the law. Or not keeping the law. Let me say it like this. You know what the... The, the cause was under the old covenant, it was not keeping the law. You know what the cause of the curse coming in the new covenant is? Trying to. <laughs> Isn't that what it says? As many as are... He's, this is New Testament, guys. As many as are of the works of the law, that means as many as are trying to be made right with God through their own works and performance are under the curse. The cause into the new covenant is trying to keep the old covenant to be made righteous. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. And therein lies the reason. Because keeping the law is not keeping 99% of it. It's keeping 100% of it. Let me show you this in James chapter 2. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point... He's guilty of all. Man, I tell you what, that is... Is that really in the Bible? (laughs) Whoever shall keep the whole law and shall stumble in one point, he's guilty of all of it. See, the law is a perfect standard. And you don't keep part of it. See, that's the problem. Even Jesus said... Or Jesus said that the Pharisees, he said, do what they say, because under that system they were to keep the law. But he said, don't do what they do, because they didn't even keep it. Right. And in Galatians chapter 6, he says, those people who are wanting you to keep the law, they don't even keep it. Yeah. Why? Because you don't just keep the parts you like. <laughs> So that's a problem with religion. People just have their own set of stuff they want to do. And most of it, they're really more worried about what other people are doing or not doing. <laughs> and most religion is just living, preaching your own convictions on other people. As commandments. Man. That's really what religion is. It's taking your own personal convictions... And putting them on other people and expecting them to live up to your standard. Wow. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble on one point is guilty of all. If you break one, you've broken it all. That's good news, guys. Because <laughs> that means you're a candidate for God's righteousness by faith. <laughs> See, I'm I'm glad I know that. Because I quit trying to keep it. (laughs) I can abandon, you know, because it only deals with the outer man. It doesn't do anything to the inner man. Look at this. Let me go back to Galatians 3. Look at verse 12. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Did you know the law is not even a system of faith? I like what the, the Passion Translation says. It says it's of self-effort. It's not depending on the Holy Spirit. It's doing it in your own strength. The law is not of faith. I want to say that about 20 times. The law is not of faith. And the Word says the just shall live by faith. But yet the law is not of faith. Man. But the man who does them shall live by them. If you decide that's the way you want to go, then you're going to have to buck up, little soldier. (laughs) You're going to have to get with it because you got to keep it all, all the time. Okay? And everyone, because see, it only deals with the outer man. It doesn't cha- Listen, if there was a law given that could change the inner man, we could have made, been made right by the law. But it couldn't. And so, even Hebrews chapter 7, I did put this in here. I want to show you this one. It's talking about Jesus being a high priest. And it's talking about that under the law, get this, this is crazy. Under the law, Jesus was disqualified from being a high priest. <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, could not be a high priest under the law. He was disqualified. Why? Because he didn't come from the right family. (laughs) And in Hebrews chapter 7, it's saying, his point is, is that Jesus is the high priest of a new order. And because of that, the whole law had to be done away with for him to be able to become a high priest. Think about that. The whole law had to be done away with before Jesus could become a high priest. Jesus! My goodness, think about that. And the reason that it goes on to explain is right here. He says that the law is made not after it is that he was made a high priest not after the law of a carnal commandment. That's what he's calling the law, a carnal commandment. You know, it only deals with the flesh. I hope you're you're getting that. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. What caused Jesus to be able to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek? The power of an endless life. What causes us to be able to become kings and priests in the order of Melchizedek? In our relationship to Jesus, endless life. We've received the power of an endless life through our union with Jesus Christ. We've been born again. We've been made the righteousness of God on a spirit level. The law is a carnal commandment. It only deals with the outer man. Listen, if I tried to keep the law, if I could stop sinning now till the day I die, if I was still a sinner, it couldn't change my nature. I could just change my behavior. So that's all the law did. It just dealt with behavior. But it could never change our nature. And our problem wasn't our behavior. Our problem was our nature. Our behavior was the evidence of our nature. We were sinners, not because we sinned. We sinned because we were sinners. And the law was given to make that, make that known to us. Oh my goodness. I'm getting ahead of myself here. but Look at this, verse 13. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For in the Old Testament it was written... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This was the plan from before the foundation of the world. That Christ would come and redeem us from the curse of the law. by, By being our substitute. Christ, here, you know, at the beginning of this chapter, Paul says, what has happened to you? You're bewitched by someone who has caused you to quit looking at what Jesus has done and start looking at what you're doing. And you've forgotten the meaning of the crucifixion of Christ. And he wasn't talking, he said he was portrayed crucified among you. He wasn't saying you saw him crucified, it was saying through the preaching of Paul, he made it so clear what was actually happening on the cross. Because it wasn't just a man dying of crucifixion. It was a man taking the curse for all of humanity on himself and dying under it so that he could meet every legal demand that the law had against mankind for sin so that he could redeem us out of the curse of the law so that the blessing... That's what the next verse says. It says, So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Here's the words. Through faith. Hmm. <sighs> See, when we look at Isaiah 53, what's it say? It says, Surely, Surely He has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. For He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Every one of us has turned our own way. But He laid the iniquity of us all on Him. Oh man, I'm telling you what. It's the great exchange. Christ took the curse so that we could have the blessing. Through faith. Not through your works. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. He has qualified us that the blessing of Abraham... So here's the thing. The whole purpose was not to just justify us so we would have a ticket to heaven, guys. Justification was so that the heaven could come within us. So that we could receive the promise of the Spirit, something Abraham never had. So that we could become a new creature. Because the Holy Spirit of God now dwells on the inside of this temple justification was the cleansing of the temple so that the Spirit of God could move inside and we could become a new creature and that we could have the divine life of God, the divine power of God dwelling on the inside of us so that He could not just dwell there but begin to manifest through our life so that we could be and first fruits of His creation. Man. So we could be, as Zelma said, little Jesus. Mm. There's much more. It's not just getting justified so you can get to heaven when you die. Oh, man. God wants to use you as a trophy of grace. Man. You know what he's going to do? It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that in the ages to come, He is going to brag (laughs) on how good and kind he was to undeserving people. That's my translation. (laughs) For ages and I mean for ages to come, he's going to show forth the exceeding greatness of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. My goodness! And every time we think about it, we're going to fall down at his feet. And worship. Why wait? (laughs) Why wait? God has been so kind and good to us. Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you, Father God, for sending Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for offering yourself so that we could be made right, so that we could become who you always intended for us to be. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to come under the sway of the devil and his lies and his deceptions. You know, I think about this, these elements right here. You know, we take communion. You know, this bread represents the body of Jesus. I love the book of Hebrews chapter 10 where he says, A body you have prepared for me. Oh my goodness. God sent Jesus. He prepared a body for him just to be offered. Man, when I take of this bread, I am partaking of my union with him. I'm recognizing that we are we are one. You know, when you eat something, I, I don't know why I'm going off on this, but when you eat something, your body metabolizes and assimilates the nutrients to your whole body and we are partakers of the very bread from heaven by faith man listen if I wasn't the righteousness of God I have no right to partake of this and then Jesus says take this cup This is the new covenant, not the old. Mm. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. That's something they never had in the old covenant. Their sins were covered, but ours are forgiven and removed. And I love John the Baptist. He was the prophet of prophets. When when Jesus was walking, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Man, he removed them. David prophetically looked to our time. He said that he removes our transgression as far from us as the east is from the west. You can't get any further. (laughs) You can't get any further than that. Mm. As far as the east is from the west. And so, because of that, we're able to receive the Spirit of God. You know, I, I think about the Old Testament when they, you know, um, sanctified the temple with blood. You know, they put blood on all of the parts of it and all of the utensils of the temple. And you know, when the last bit of blood was applied and the temple was sanctified, the presence of God filled the temple that is a shadow of a new believer being born of God (laughs) when the blood is applied and you're sanctified the spirit comes on the inside to abide wow I've never said that before that's pretty good it even rhymed (laughs) Hmm. look at verse 15 Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it's only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now, he's just talking about any time you have a contract with somebody, one of the participants in the contract just can't come along and change things. The reason he's addressing this is because God made a covenant with Abraham 430 years before the law was put into operation. In verse 16, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, And to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Isn't this amazing? This shows you why you got to study the word. The Apostle Paul picked up on the idea that this was singular, not plural. So it wasn't talking about all of Abraham's descendants. It was talking about the seed, which is Christ. So the promises were made to Abraham and to Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And so all of those who participate through Christ receive all of the benefits of Abraham's blessing. Oh my goodness, guys. You don't receive an inheritance by earning it. You're born into it. You're born into it. But yet we've been trying to work for it. It just shows we don't understand who we are. Because if you know who you are, you'll say, that's my inheritance. But if you think, if you don't know who you are, and you think, oh, well, I got to work for it. (coughs) Yeah, Pastor last week said, quit sleeping with your boss. He said he heard the Lord say, quit sleeping with your boss. How many of us had that kind of a relationship with the Lord? Think about it. Man, that's powerful. But he says, Christ is the seed of Abraham. It wasn't even Isaac. Isaac was a promised child, but he wasn't the seed that God was talking about. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ. Get that. In Christ it was confirmed. That it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritances of the law it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Here's the thing. God waited to give the law till later. Yeah. This is all the providence and the wisdom of God, guys. He didn't go, oh man, we better go ahead and give the law now. And then, oh man, we're going to have to do something different. They can't keep it. This is all for a purpose. God's bringing the law into effect had a divine purpose. But it wasn't to bring salvation. And His bringing the law in couldn't change the um, details of the covenant that He made with Abraham, which was simply based on a promise that there would be a seed who would come, who would be the heir, who would receive the blessing of Abraham. It's Christ. Listen, Abraham's covenant with God was based on the Father and Jesus. In fact, we see when God put Abraham to sleep and showed him in a vision two entities. Walking through the pieces of the sacrifice, making a covenant. That was God the Father and God the Son. And He put Abraham to sleep to show that we have no participation in the making of or the outworking of the covenant. We receive of it by rest. By rest in what God said He would do and what God did through Jesus Christ. Hmm. Abraham had to be put to sleep. Why? We have, if we have a part in it, we're going to mess it up. <laughs> and I know I've got to start closing, but man, I want to read these other verses, but I can't do it. I'm going to give you homework. Go read Romans 4, 13 through 18. And that will go along with it. It talks about how that God's... uh, That Abraham being heir of the world didn't come through the law but came by faith. Why? Because God didn't give the law to Abraham. Could he have? Yeah, he could have. But he intentionally didn't to set the precedent that none of us are going to receive Abraham's blessing by keeping the law... Or by our own righteousness, but by faith in what the seed would do to cause us to become heirs. So, verse 19 says, What purpose then does the law serve? Because if this is all true, and that we do not, we are not made right with God, we don't receive the inheritance based on keeping the law, then why in the world? Did God give the law? And I'm going to wait to tell you the rest of the story next week. <laughs> I just decided that. Because <laughs> if I get started, this train ain't going to stop. <laughs> but I will say this. It had a divine purpose, and it was to prepare us for when the seed would come. So that we would be in the right frame of mind or condition of heart to truly value what He came to do. The law had an effect on mankind. When you understand it correctly, it'll have an effect on your heart, which will cause you. See, people think, oh, you take the law away, it's going to cause people to be lawless. That's absolutely not true. When you understand the law correctly, it makes you value what Jesus did. In fact, if you don't know what the law says, you won't truly value what Jesus did. Because you won't see that it was the only way. The law was given to wake us up to the fact that we could never save ourselves. Let me say this. at The time when Jesus came, if the law could have made anybody right with God, it would have done it by then. It would have done it by then. Man, but here's the good news. What Abraham never had. He saw it from far off. That's what the book of Hebrews says, chapter eleven. Says he saw the promises from afar. Oh man. We there's so many times we look back and we go, boy, I just wish I could have lived. No way. They wish they would have lived in our day. Come on. Man. We are living, in, guys, we are living in the reality of what God always intended for Abraham and his descendants to have, which is liberty and freedom to rule and reign. It says Abraham is heir of the world, guys, heir of the world. <laughs> Satan may God, be God of the world, but we are heir of the world. That means we have a dominion and an authority over the world. We don't have to be a part of the system that's ruling and reigning. We don't have to be a part of the system of the beast. Why? Because we've been redeemed. We've been justified. We've been made righteous. We've been delivered. We've been healed. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart. Hallelujah. We've been made free. We have been reconciled to the father. We've been redeemed to our rightful place in the family. We've been made as we always should have been. We are reconnected with heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. We are reconnected with heaven. Hallelujah. Boy, if we could see inside of ourselves, hmm, we'd be shocked. I mean, we can with the word, but we haven't really got a glimpse of what's there. Man, if we could just, if we could just see. Man, I'm seeing, I'm seeing something. You know that John didn't say, as he was, so are we. In First John 4, he didn't say, as Jesus was, so are we in this world. He said, as he is. Mm. <laughs> he said, as he is, raised up, seated at the right hand of God. Glorified, resurrected by the power of endless life. That's as he is. And as He is, so are we Amen. in this world, man. I, mm. Glory to God! Thank you, Jesus. I tell you what, let's just all stand. Thank you, Lord. We're going to get you out of here, but thank you, Jesus. You just need to act on this. Is your inheritance? This is our inheritance, people of God. Man very life of God, the power of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham that we might receive the Spirit by faith. First verse we read earlier, we receive the Spirit and He works miracles among us. Amen. By works of the law? No. By hearing of faith. I believe you've heard tonight, I believe I can see faith rising in people's hearts. Hmm. Whatever it is that you're struggling with tonight, know that God on His part has already accomplished your deliverance. You're free from everything. You're freed from everything. Name it, whatever you name, you're freed from it. You're freed from it. I hear this arthritis... You're freed from it. You're freed from it. Autoimmune diseases. You're freed from autoimmune diseases. Well, that's your body turning on itself. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is there to deliver you first in your mind. You've got to see yourself. Imagine yourself. Freed from that pain. That burning in your bones. Leave right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in Jesus' name. Cancer, you are encroaching on territory that's posted, no trespassing. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You need to begin to say to that, just as what Jesus said, you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You call it by name. Right now, as we worship, Whatever the issue is, if it's arthritis, you say, in the name of Jesus, arthritis, I command you to be plucked up by the root and cast out of my body and into the abyss in Jesus' name. Say it. you got to say it with your own mouth, whatever it is that you're facing. In Jesus' name, be removed, be cast into the sea. And Father, we thank you for it right now. I thank you people exercising their faith, Father God, in what you have already done. They are partaking of their inheritance even right now in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks for it, Father God. I thank you that they're going to come back and tell us about the miracle that they received, Father God. And I want to lay hands on people, but I think it would be even better. that they'd be able to say, nobody laid hands on me. I simply partook of faith and was made whole tonight, December 6th, 2023. I was delivered in my body. Mm, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? He's so good. Thank you, Jesus. As we're closing, I do have an announcement. Uh, Steve and Deb Hines. Steve Hines' father passed away. And uh, they are going to be doing a service for him on Saturday. So we have a sign-up sheet. Uh, If you can help us by providing food, we want to take that to them and be a blessing to them to show them how much they mean to us. If you don't know who Steve is, he plays the keys over here uh, for us. Been with us a long time on the worship team So if you want to help out with that and bless them with some food for their family for Saturday, there's a sign-up sheet out there, and they can give you the details about when to bring it and where to bring it so that it can be delivered to the family. Amen? Amen? All right. God bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday morning.